listener production. If you have a tween, are they going through some big changes? The tween years are known as this transformative stage of life. There's nothing latent or dormant about them. Today on Feed Play Love, why the tween years are the next big thing you need to know about. Feed Play Love with Siobhan Hunt. There's a lot of info out there about what to do with a tantruming toddler. But where are the guides on how to manage a tantruming tween? The tween years, defined as being between the ages of 8 and 12, seem neglected in the mountains of parental advice books. I have a tween and I can tell you, I need guidance. There's a lot going on. Big emotions, friendship troubles, puberty... Michelle Mitchell recognised that the tween years need more attention and her book is called Tweens, What Kids Need Now Before the Teenage Years. Hi, Michelle. How are you? Oh, Siobhan, it's such a pleasure to be here. I love how you open to that. There is so much for parents of toddlers and then we focus on the teenage years and we've often left our kids between the ages of 9 and 12 just hanging like they're doing nothing, they're just silly and goofy. (laughs) (laughs) But there's so much happening there. Well, yeah, I know I'm speaking, as I mentioned there, as a, a parent of a tween and my peers are all facing similar issues to me. Why do you think this age bracket is so significant? It's developmentally not been an area we've dug much into. Some people used to think that the brain was fully developed around eight and nine, um, and it has actually reached its sort of um, maximum size. So some people has assumed that like it's taking a nap before the teenage years. But the reality is, is the new research is so exciting in showing us how transformative this stage really is. Kids are incredibly moldable. It's a playful, diverse, expansive stage of life, but there's a huge amount of skill building happening. So their development is on high speed, particularly their emotional growth. And research is terming it as a switch point where there's a significant reorientation to what's going to come next in the teenage years. So it's the best time to introduce interventions if our kids are struggling. Now, I did mention, you know, that there is advice on how to manage a tantruming toddler, but how do we get guidance on a tantruming tween? It feels like in some ways we expect our kids to be on top of that stuff by the time they're a tween. We know that toddlers tantrum for a reason, developmentally, there's a lot going on for them. But then when they become more articulate, it's almost like, hey, why is this still happening? And you mentioned there that there's a lot of things going on in a tween's brain. How does that relate to big emotions? And are there any similarities between what's happening now and what happened when they were toddlers? Yeah. Well, there's under the bonnet changes that we don't see as parents and the hormonal changes that we probably are expecting to see around, you know, 11, 12, 13 actually start happening around eight and nine. And I think it makes parents feel like they're running blind. They're starting to see these changes in their kids' behaviour, but they can't correlate them to their first pubic hair or their daughter getting their periods yet. (laughs) Um, So we're thinking of puberty like this unitary event when it's really this 
this cascade of hormonal changes. And not only does it affect their physical body, it affects them socially, emotionally, cognitively, which really gets overshadowed, I feel, uh, sexual development as well. And all of these things are happening in the same life-altering way, and it tends to come in gusts. So think of them on a mountain climb and this massive gust of development or gust of wind hits them. It's really overwhelming. And I remember a mum that I spoke to when I wrote this book, and um, she said, when my daughter was nine, it was starting to play out big time. She was coming home and crying herself to sleep. And in some ways it's gotten easier as she's gotten older. She's now starting to understand her own emotions and be able to deal with them. And that allows us to have better conversations. So I think sometimes we think the teenage years are going to be like the horrific ones, but parents are telling me 11 is hard. It's not what I've expected. (laughs) It's overwhelming. Yeah. And it, it can be, especially with those big emotions because they, as a parent, they can seem to come out of nowhere. Um, they do. And when, <laughs> when, <laughs> when there were toddlers, we were told, you know, to help co-regulate our children when they're feeling big emotions, you know, name their mm-hmm. feelings, that kind of thing. How do we help our tweens manage those big emotions? I don't think it changes throughout their whole life in the sense that the very basis of it is our relationship with them and our ability to model because especially in this tween age, their heart is so open to our guidance. Like we are the source. Everything they learn, they're trying to hinge on our values and what they see and hear from us. So they're in this stage where togetherness is massive. So all the same principles apply, but I like to think of it like a craft project, like they're building their container or the walls of their home that's going to house and take care of those emotions so they don't spill out and damage the, (laughs) the whole world. And part of that is helping them accept how they're feeling be able to identify it and articulate it and then give it some positive expression and take responsibility for it. We talk a whole lot about validating kids' emotions, but I think it's just so important that we bring the balance into that, especially during these tween years where they're skill building and help them be responsible for the expression of them as well. Something you write about in your book that I find fascinating is you write about how the way our children think changes. So they move from concrete to formal thinking Mm -hmm. and they develop this empathy. I see that so, so clearly in my little girl that one minute she was so carefree and didn't you know, would run out of the house wearing whatever, to now she's so self-conscious of what she wears, who might be there, what her friends think of her. It's a really marked change from the pre-tween years. Yeah, it really is. When they're in this cognitive stage of development, and this was developed by Piaget, a, a really famous, you know, psychologist, but they're very physical, tangible. Um, they're talking about concrete things in their world. You'll notice when they get home from school and you ask them how their day was, they will literally blow by blow give you an account of what happened <laughs> because they're very literal, <laughs> they're concrete, <laughs> they're rigid. Um, one mum told me that her daughter gets out a pen and paper and literally does like a timetable of the day to explain what happened (laughs) (laughs) and this 
daily debrief is their way of practicing this concrete thinking. So it's actually really important for their development. Logic's a building block, but they're learning to link new information to something else other than us. And right now they're exist, uh, they're linking it to existing ideas and their parents' values, but they're going to start to link it to the world beyond us as well. You mentioned empathy and we just talked about emotions a bit, but as they start to be able to put themselves in the mind of someone else, they start to recognize how their emotions spill out and affect other people, which puts them much more in um, this driving seat position where they feel so guilty when they have impacted somebody else negatively. And one of the main reasons why tweens tell me they don't want to grow up is because they don't want big moods. They don't want to hurt their parents. Um, Mm. When I asked tweens what their biggest concern was, it was handling big, overwhelming feelings. Um, maybe I can give you an example from my own home to explain this. I remember my son hitting these tween slash coming into almost teenage years quite hard. And he literally started to change overnight. He started to push back in a way that we hadn't seen before. He started to puff out his chest and he was about 11 years old. And I remember having a talk to him about heavy metal music, which he thought the guitar riffs were amazing and he wanted to listen to. And we had told him that we didn't feel like the language was appropriate. And as a tween who is in that concrete stage of thinking, he totally agreed with our values. He totally was understanding what we were talking about. Give it a few weeks. And he started to question it, to challenge it. You know, it was, no, thanks, that's not happening. And we see, <laughs> we see these almost teenager moves start to surface and we go, where is this coming from? I guess it manifests in, in different ways. But one thing I hear a lot from parents who have girls is this real self-conscious, um, self-conscious kind of way of looking at themselves, their bodies, their relationships, this real yeah. worry excessive worry that as a parent of a girl can be quite concerning. You hear that anxiety impacts women more than men. You know what social media can do to their sense of self-worth. And and here they are at this pre-pubescent age or going into their pubescent age with what feels like a really fragile ego. I know that that is very concerning for me as a mother, and I'm sure there are other mums out there who might feel that way. Is that something that you've had experience with in the research you did for this book? Definitely. And the Journal of Eating Disorders really talked about how our girls tend to hit that body dissatisfaction feeling much earlier than our our boys. Our boys tend to experience as they transition out of high school our girls will tend to experience it as they transition into high school. So you've hit the nail on the head. Mothers are describing their daughters crying on the bathroom floor because they feel like they're fat or looking in front of the mirror and picking at their skin saying, I'm bloated, I need to go on a diet. And it it calls for these alarm bells, especially for us as women who may have struggled with accepting who we are and loving and looking after our bodies. If it matters to our kids, it has to matter to us. And right now, I guess while they're having this identity crisis and they're they're starting to um, 
look at their body in a different way because it's changing and it's feeling different. I think it's really important that we, number one, don't overreact and we normalise, in fact, when our body was changing that much, we were probably feeling the same uncomfortableness, but that our balanced messages can go such a long way in helping stabilise it as well. The other thing that is high on the list for parents of tweens is uh, friendships, particularly mm-hmm. female friendships. Uh, obviously, the, the tween years are tricky for both genders, but, you know, I remember my daughter being in year year three, I think it was, and someone saying, oh, year four and year five, that's when it gets really hard. And mm-hmm. and friendships can get tricky at this stage of life. How involved should parents be when things get bumpy? Yeah, they need to take their magic fairy wings off completely. Um, and I like <laughs> to use it because <laughs> we come in and rescue, don't we? We come and save the day. Our kids might come home in tears and ask us to ring their friend's mum to sort something out. That happens mm. so often. And I think we need to realise mm. that there's an inner wisdom in our children that is developing. They are starting to understand other people's minds. And I like to give kids a guiding set of principles and ask them which principle they feel like would be best to apply to that situation. So we're prompting and encouraging that inner voice, you know, that that wise old owl that lives inside of them so they can be more confident making decisions on the spot at school. One of my favourite guiding principles is just space solves most things. And so many times teachers have told me that this is a lifesaver in their classroom. If kids can just breathe and choose the principle, space solves most things. Mm. Um, a lot of things work out on their own unless, you know, they're, they're escalating and dramatising something that, that doesn't maybe need them to get quite so involved with it. And these sorts of principles, it sounds like it gives you the opportunity as a parent to give them options, but not try to pick apart what can often be really complicated and difficult to understand friendship conflicts. Absolutely. I mean, we listen to them, we hear them. Like we talked about before, we help them accept how they're feeling. We help them identify what they're feeling, be able to give language to it and voice to it, because that'll help them move through it quicker. But then we need to go, okay, what choices do you need to make now? And I think handing the baton back to them and really supporting that decision-making is important. One of the things kids told me in the survey that I did was that they didn't want to be treated like children anymore. And as our kids move towards more complex thinking, it's really important they're given the time to work through the range of options and thoughts they have. And it can take a laborious amount of time. Oh, Siobhan, you know, they can be talking (laughs) about it all night. But they're joining the dots themselves, which is powerful learning for them. We can't trivialise that. I think from the moment you have a baby, um, you have a vision for how you want to help them grow. And it's almost a a cliche now, the word resilience. But Mm -hmm. I think many parents want their children to be resilient. We want them to be confident and happy in the world. And this period, these tween years, you mentioned that it's like a unique opportunity because our kids are still looking to us. And it also feels that they are quite vulnerable at this point of their lives. 
Do you have any tips on how we can help them be resilient in a time when so much change, internal change is happening for them? Yeah, they really need us to safeguard their well-being and that's something I think that we need to take really seriously in the in the tween years especially when they're on technology and also they get this heightened curiosity and we want them to channel that curiosity to safe people and safe places and now's the perfect time to be making sure you're doubling down and spending extra time with them because kids often tell me they find it really hard to get their parents attention and I'll add as a parent here on the level that they need it for the high-speed development that they're going through. And when they're coming home with friendship dramas and we've got mortgages to pay, it can feel like, oh, it's such a trivial issue. But for them in their world, it's actually not. So this moldable transformative stage of life often also gets impacted by biology. The CAT study actually revealed that in 1,200 kids that they checked the saliva of between the age of 8 and 14, this study actually showed that the higher levels of hormones in these kids' bodies actually directly impacted the anxiety and depression they were feeling. So sometimes when those internal changes are starting early and we're not seeing them and all we're seeing is our kids unravelling or getting quite anxious we need to remember that there's so much happening under the bonnet that we really can dismiss without recognising what a big deal it is and what's happening underneath the surface. Now, personally, it all feels a lot. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm conscious of the changes my child is going through, but also about why this period in particular is so very important and all along the way of our children's lives, we don't want to mess it up. What advice would you give to parents who are now embarking on the tween years? Oh, maybe just be really conscious when you see those almost teenager moves, those, you know, those moments where they back chat, where they disagree with you, where they door slam and they don't look back, you know, when they need more sleep, when they want to take greater <laughs> risks. You see these glimmers. In those moments, be really careful to usher in the next season and not squash it. Because those developmental changes that you're seeing, they need us to be in the front foot of them. And they need us to um, realise that they're just as hard for our kids as they are for us. Mm, wise words. Michelle, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me. That's Michelle Mitchell. She's a parenting educator and author of Tweens. For more information on where to get a copy, check out the notes on this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love, a listener original podcast. If there's something you'd like to learn more about, email me at feedplaylove at sca.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. For more great kids and parenting podcasts, check out the listener app and don't forget to follow us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.